John did, that only God can do, that only God can do. There's no wonder what God can do, what he's done for others. Would say it's still right. 
I'm glad that y'all were lively during praise and worship. I'm glad that you danced and clapped your hands and beat the tambourine. And I didn't see anyone running this Sunday. Y'all was a little reserved, but still lively. Yeah. I, I was looking for you, Jaleesa. I was looking for you. I was looking for the train to start. Oh, hallelujah. But we're thankful to God that you enjoyed that because this is not crafted to get you to jump up and shout hallelujah. Even though, truth be told, you should. Because everything that I'm going to tell you is founded upon the scripture. The scripture that is life. So it should bring life into your heart and mind. However, it is a controversial topic. And it frustrates many in the body of Christ because there's just so much out there that is not biblical. However, it is pushed as being biblical. The idea or, or, or the, the series that we're going to be getting into is the modern day Christian. The modern day Christian. And today's sermon is an introduction into a question. And that question is, is holiness still right? As I look at the modern day believer who identifies themselves as being a Christian, which Christian for me may not mean the same thing as Christian for you. But I often find myself pondering what it is exactly that they believe. Now, some may take what I say today as being hate-generated speech, but in fact, I say it full of love. And these next statements that I make, I make because I am anointed and accountable to God to declare truth in each and every situation as he directs me. I in no way believe myself to be super holy especially as determined by my own behavior or qualified by the things that I do but I do believe that my conduct should reflect what my real belief is so the question is there a standard anymore in Christ has God changed or is as the word declares He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen to some who have been called the leaders of our faith, the leaders of our church culture. It would seem as they have evolved as believers, and thus, so has God. If you follow their teaching and their instruction, they would cause you to believe that God is changing, which is causing them to change in their position, understanding, and contextual approach to Scripture. Which is in direct contradiction to what the Word declares. Have we changed the context of Scripture to fit our own narrative? Or is what God declares by His Word still relevant and true today? Just as it was when he moved upon each of the human authors, guiding them and directing them by his spirit of truth as they penned every word to page. My goal today is simply to inspire conversation. To encourage you to consider, and in some cases reconsider, your position, your presumptions, and your own standard. Being true to yourself, asking yourself, is what I am and believe in alignment with the truth of the Word of God? Or does the Word of God need to evolve to fit my own agenda? Now the older saints growing up being in church all of my life, I would hear the older saints say things and, you know, some things stick with you. And this was one of the things that stuck with me. I didn't fully understand it when I first heard it, but I've come to understand it and appreciate it. But they would say, hell is hot and holiness is still right. 
They boldly stand against all things that gave approval to anything that was contrary to the word of God. Matter of fact, you see memes of the church mothers who would sit in the front row. And anyone that's ever grown up in church or been in a church that had church mothers understood that the church mother was law. Everybody was scared of the church mother. I remember growing up, there was a mother, and I, and I was a PK kid, as they say. My father was the pastor. He was the bishop. But I was still afraid of the lead mother in our church, Mother McNeil and Mother Mayhem. Now, Mother Mayhem was a little nicer and sweeter than Mother McNeil. Mother McNeil, she didn't have humor. She didn't tolerate children at all. And we would do things to mess with her, and she, sure enough, would get back at us. But I thank God for the church mothers. Because when the church mothers were in full operation in the church, now you don't see it too much in the modern day church, but in the church of old, when the church mothers were in full operation, a lot of things that are going by now did not get by then. What I find is that I no longer see the modern day Christian as one who reflects the foundation of what Christianity is. Now, am I saying that every person that professes to be a Christian is not a true Christian or a real Christian? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that everyone that declares Christian is may not be the same Christian as you. Anytime the Bible says something, it ought to inspire you to ask questions. And there's a text in the scripture that declares that there will be some that stand before Christ who say, did I not these things in your name? In other words, was I not a Christian doing Christian things? And the response of God is, depart from me, ye who work iniquity. So if the word of life declares that there will be those who profess they did things in alignment with their Christian ethics, morality, and belief, yet in the face of he who is the definition of Christianity, and he declares to them, depart from me, you who work iniquity, then it pushes me, it urges me to first ensure that my life, my belief, my morality, my ethics, my character, my integrity is in alignment with what is true according to God's word. And at the same time, when I'm standing next to my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, ensure that they're living in alignment with the word of life. Amen. But as time has passed, what I have found is the church is afraid to speak truth. They're afraid to speak truth because they're afraid that people will overcome. And if people don't come, they don't bring their money. And if they don't bring their money, can't pay the bills. So I won't say things that may push people away is the idea. So over the years, more and more has been made acceptable Amen. in the body of Christ by the members, not the head, but by the members of the body of Christ because they misunderstand what is at its core, its source. I see a church who's begun to buy into the notion that my truth, my as in personal truth is more valid than God's truth. I see a church that has gone along to get along. I see a church whose leaders, who for reasons they only truly know themselves, will compromise the faith to make things that are anti-God right while making right anti-God. The church has begun to buy into the influence of the world 
and into the systems of the world rather than being the voice of truth even when the voice of truth is in conflict with the voice of the world. We've become more concerned with not offending someone rather than loving them enough to tell them the truth. The Bible declares that we should speak truth in love, but we say nothing or say it is all right to believe what they believe, live the way they live, do what it is that their belief drives them to do when we know those very things are leading them into judgment and damnation. And what the church has essentially done is silenced itself and helped to pave the road to hell, making people feel better about their rebellion rather than making them uncomfortable here so they can be comfortable in eternity. The sad thing is that there are many modern day Christians who are living in purposeful sin because to him who knows to do that which is good but does not do it, to him it is sin. James 4 and 17, check the text. The Bible tells me that no sinner will inherit the kingdom of God. That means if I'm living in sin, I'm not going to inherit. If I'm living in open rebellion, I'm not going to inherit. I'm not talking uh, about believers who are struggling with their humanity. I'm talking about people who make a purposeful decision, knowing what is true, to reject the truth, to satisfy the deeds of their flesh. No sinner will inherit the kingdom of God. Only they who accept Christ as their Savior and believe upon the works that he has committed. So if I love him, that is if I love God, I will do what he declares is right for me to do. If I do what I want to do, even though I've been given the gift of free will, when I do what I want, operating in the gift that God has given me, what I am actually declaring is I love myself more than I love Christ. This leads me back to my original thought. Is holiness still right? If so, what then is true holiness? I just want to start this discussion today. I don't have time today to get into this like I would like to. This is a discussion and, and, and uh, a topic that requires time and intentional thought. I just want to push you to start thinking about who you are and where you are. Because I've seen so many believers change because of worldly influence. The conduct of their behavior declares something different about their character than the content of their words. Who they once professed to be has morphed into the very thing they said they were not. You see, the world wants us to recognize insanity as choice and then celebrate that insanity with the insane. Anything that goes against that which is sane is insane. But the world will tell you that we should accept your insanity as sanity. And I simply refuse to do so. Because I do not celebrate your insanity does not mean that I hate you. Just because I don't agree with you does not mean that I hate you. I just do not agree that what you believe is in any way right or holy. Why? Believe that same-sex marriage, a topic that's been talked about and is becoming more and more prevalent in our society. Why do I believe that it is wrong? I believe that it is wrong and I make that declaration 
today so that there's no question because the accusation made against church leadership is that church leadership starts the fence and won't tell you what's right or wrong. So I will tell you without fear of retribution or attack. Same-sex marriage is biblically wrong. And I believe this and I believe this because of what God has declared, not because I hate anyone who is considering it or has done it. It has nothing to do with hate and everything to do with God. You see, my contextual understanding of that which defines marriage is the infallibility of the Word of God. Now, when you look at the Word of God, if you peruse over to the night chapter of the book of Matthew, first book in the New Testament, starting at verse 4, Jesus defines what marriage is and then confirms what is written in Genesis, the first book in the Bible, in the second chapter, that God created both male and female and called the male to cleave unto the female that they may become one flesh. When God created man, he did not pull out of man, man. He did not pull out of man something that was identical to what he was working on. When he pulled the rib out of the side of man, he formed something that was different than man because there was a necessity that needed to be fulfilled. So according to scripture, the living word of God, the truth of God, marriage is between a male and a female. Not a male and a male, or a female and a female. Now you have free choice, but having free choice does not mean that your choice is therefore holy or right in the sight of God. It does not matter if the church if the church leadership has evolved to accept your choice, God's word remains the same. So then is my belief in alignment with what God declares is right? Or should my belief be in alignment with what man has declared is right? Mind you, God has remained consistent in his word. While man has been and will always be inconsistent in this season of our existence. Man is wishy-washy. We say one thing one day, only to change it to something else the other. Only to change it again when the person hearing me is someone different. We are very good at crafting our conversation to meet our audience. God is not like this. Agreeing with what God declares does not mean that I hate those who do not agree and choose to go their own way. Because some man-made high court has determined that same-sex marriage legal does not make it scriptural. It definitely doesn't make it biblical. Doesn't matter what authority they believe they've been given. Our Supreme Court does not have authority or reach over the court of God. Which is the true and everlasting court. What I found is the English term holy and holiness communicate ideas in the modern Western world that may not align with the usage of these same terms in the Bible. When I think biblically in reference to holiness, I see myself as being subpart or consecrated for something I am not in my own. I am not being set apart by me. There is something greater than me doing the work while I exercise my free will, letting it happen. Not trying to make it happen in my own power 
are according to my own standard. Let me get the scripture. Something that I would like to dissect for your understanding. First Peter, the first chapter, starting at verse 13, Peter says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Uh, you have to understand something. There is a necessity for the people of God to be careful what they allow to enter into their mind's eye because what you allow to come in sometimes stays longer than you would like. Have you ever had a guest come to your house and they were supposed to leave one day but decided three weeks after that day that uh, they still want to stay? They lost the idea of being a visitor and they think they've become a resident. You have to be careful what you allow to take residency in your mind. If you understand uh, natural law, you'll find that once I move items into your house, I have legal right to be there. So for, for some of you parents that have older kids who have gone off to make their own life, when they come back, don't let them bring anything with them. You can come in with your bags have to stay outside. Lest you get residency rights in the great state of Ohio. But you have to gird up your mind, the loins, the, 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 the center of your thought life. You have to gird up your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now the word revelation of Jesus Christ means his glorious display of glory when he comes in the power of his second coming. The Bible refers to this as the revelation of Jesus Christ, his coming in power and great glory. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, there's that really strange word, that, that foul word. Like, I want to get with Webster and find out why he included that word in the dictionary, obedient. You mean I can't just do what I want to do? But I'm grown. But I still can't do just what I want to do. Well, you can. But there's consequences for the choices that you make. My father used to tell me, you know what the consequence is for any given action. The question you have to ask yourself is, not is there an existence of a consequence, but do I want the consequence? Is what I'm getting ready to do worth the consequence for that action? Is that 37 seconds of fun worth the 37 hours of suffering? You'll get that at midnight. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves, watch this, according to the former lust in your ignorance. According to the former lust, there had to have been conversion then. There had to have been a change in how I thought and, 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 and what I did, what motivated me, what defined me. There had to be a change. And the word is declaring not going back to the former things. Watch this. That you were ignorant about. You were ignorant. You didn't have, you, that, that's not a bad word. I know we use it like a bad word, but it simply means you didn't know any better. The problem is, is you will never be able to stand in the face of God and declare with any validity that you didn't know any better. As obedient children of fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, watch this, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, he's not talking about how you speak. The word conversation is a word that is better defined behavior. 
Be ye holy, for he is holy. So be holy in all manner of behavior. In all manner of behavior. That means that even when he or she pushes your last button, cuts that last cord, the Bible declares you ought to be holy, not take your holy and put it on a shelf so that you can go back to the former lust and follow what you wanted to do in a given situation. Be holy in the deportment of your behavior because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if he call on the Father who without respect of persons judges, watch this, according to every man's work. God is looking at your behavior because your behavior is your propaganda of your belief system. We can put the facade on, dress ourselves up in church and act any given way on Sunday. As a matter of fact, if the devil wanted to come in here, he could probably out-shout and out-dance all of us. Don't you know that he was the first one to cut a step in the presence of God? Yep. He sat around the throne of God, dancing and singing and praising and magnifying God and allowing the glory of God to flow through him into all of creation. He, he knows this stuff. He can come in and make you believe that he is the greatest Christian to ever walk the face of the earth. Make you question your own beliefs. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons, judge it according to every man's work. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. So God is looking at what you do. How many of you are Disney fans in here? Ain't nothing wrong with liking Disney. It's okay. It's okay. Well, Disney has this show called Loki. And Loki is the mythical god of mischief in the Marvel lore. Thor's kind of brother. Stolen brother. But Loki in this series gets snatched up by the Time Administration, the TVA, they call it. And when he is standing before the judge, because the purpose of the TVA is to prevent variations of timeline from taking place. You've been watching, Bishop. You've been watching. So he's standing before... Uh, or right before he gets to the judge, he goes into this room, and the the a person is sitting behind the table takes a gigantic stack of papers and slams it on the table and says, "Sign right here. This is every word you've ever uttered." And he said, "What?" And then out comes another piece of paper with the word "what" on it, and he slaps it on top of the pile. Sign right here. This is every word that you've ever ever uttered. And I saw that and I immediately went to scripture. Because do you not know that every idle word that you speak must be answered for in the face of God? Mm. Make you start to thinking about the next word that come out of your mouth. Is, is, is cussing you out worth having to stand before God? To try to justify why I murdered you, because that's what Jesus declared it was in his sermon on the mount. He declared that you're murdering your brother or sister when you speak evil intent to them. Well, I don't know of any other intent of cussing.
cussing you out other than evil. I'm mad at you. What am I? What, what is the purpose of me cursing? It's to harm you. Obviously, we have some type of connection, some type of relationship. So I'm throwing daggers at your emotional state of being to justify or validate why I feel you have harmed me. And if I'm going to be harmed, well, harm, like misery, enjoys company. But the Bible declares that we ought to, according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning in fear. Now, the word sojourning means your pilgrimage, your time here in the earth. How many of you understand that this is not all there is? This is not all there is. This is a temporal period of time in the existence of humanity. It is not by any stretch the whole of humanity. So it's just a pilgrimage and the word fear is not quivering in the corner being afraid. It's having reverence. So that while I'm journeying here in life because I have reverence for God, real reverence for God, you get the benefit. What does the Bible tell us? Do all that you do as doing unto the Lord. So the next time you want to choke somebody out, you ought to envision in your mind that everything I do, I do as unto the Lord. So then in fact or in truth, according to scripture, I don't want to choke Jamie out. I want to choke God out because of Jamie. And I want you to envision taking your little hands and wrapping them around the throat of God. Because this is the depth of, your, of what it is you're feeling or allowing yourself to feel or responding. So in essence, you have lost reverence because you cannot have reverence for one to whom you want to harm. Your pilgrimage, living in reverence. It goes on to say, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as over in gold from your vain conversation, that is your empty behavior. But receive our tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Now the key thing that you need to focus on is the 15th verse. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or behavior. First Peter 1 and 15. Is holiness still yes, sir. right? Yes, sir. Is there still a demand in the modern day church for the children of God to be holy? To live a holy life. Does God really expect us? I mean, I can understand that like in, you know, the 1700s. When people were a little bit different than they are now. But we're, we're evolved. We're evolved now. We're, we're intellectually evolved. We are physically evolved. We are psychologically evolved. We are scientifically Evolved. We we are better versions of humanity than humanity has ever been before. God can't truly think. That that's for people who don't know no better. Well, I know that. I know God. But is God calling for the modern day church to still be whole? As a matter of fact. That's the only way we're going to successfully get through the time that we're in 
is to live holy lives or live according to that for which we have been set apart. Yes, sir. If holiness is the act of one greater than I setting me apart for something bigger than I, then the only way I can successfully navigate the season of life is to allow the work of God to come alive in me. We cannot be holy if we are living according to the theology of the systems of the world and the power that's behind those systems. Now, when you talk about holiness, Christians get a little nervous. I mean, we, we don't mind being saved. We're just not all keen on holiness. We're interested in going to heaven. We're just not interested in heaven here. We're, we're interested in being healthy, just not interested in holiness. We're, we're interested in, in happiness, we're just not interested in holiness. And a very few of us are interested in being helpful, we're just not interested in being holy. You see, this idea of holiness means that we are different than the majority. I'd rather be an outcast here in this temple period of time than be an outcast in that which is and becomes and shall always be eternal. I can endure this short span of life being the outcast. I can be happy here without friends as long as I'm living in alignment with the word of God because I know that where I am going the family that I am attached to you see, many of us shy away from holiness and attack uh, being holy to being an extremist Christian. And we look at extremist Christians as a bad thing. You have to understand your pastor. I have a desire within my heart that longs to be holy. And if that makes me an extremist, then so let me live on the fringe that I might be set apart to God by God. The problem is I am in the minority, not the majority. You see, some people actually have a resistance against being holy, an actual intense aversion toward holiness. I mean, we make fun of holy folk. I remember growing up and you see someone and you talk to them and they want to tell you what the Bible says. I, I remember here in, in, this own, in, in our own church, many times people have come to me with problems and, and you've heard me say this before. And I tell them what the word says. Amen. And they tell me, don't you know anything other than what the word says? Yeah. Well, <laughs> nothing else I know really matters. Oh, that's right. Amen. I can give you the, 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 the man answer, but that's going to help you. I can tell you what I might want to do in my own flesh, but that ain't going to help you either. But if I give you the word of life, that's going to help you. But doing this or telling people when they're wrong, I told my children that they're wrong. They've never questioned my love for them. Why is it that when we tell each other that we're living outside of what the word has declared is right, we not only get mad, but we begin to accuse you of now not loving me. You need to accept me as me. No, I don't need to accept you as you. I can love you, but I will not celebrate intolerance to God's truth. I love you and when we're together I will speak to you in love the things of God because it's only those things that are going to help you survive now what you do with that information is solely your choice but there I don't want to stand before God and have to explain why I knew something was happening I had the opportunity I was in the position and had the relational connection to say something and I chose not to and God said well 
what you would have said in that moment would have changed their life, but because you did not, they endured more than they were intended to endure. I tell the ministry all the time, it's important for you to understand the weight of your ministry because what you teach or don't teach, you're going to stand and hold an account before God for those very things. And I can get myself in enough trouble by myself. I don't need to add anything else to it. But some have an intense aversion to it and we make fun of it. We tag people with the moniker, you're just holier than thou, you holy roller. We just make fun of it. The idea of being holy is really kind of foreign to us because of the shift in culture within the modern day church. It's almost as if it's a stigma that has been attached to a person who wants to be holy. And yet the Bible clearly and plainly, without eloquence, but in simplicity of speech, declares you must be holy. So then what does it mean to be holy? Well, the world or the word holy means to be separate, to be distinct, to be separated for a special cause. That's what the word holy means. We're separated to God by God. Now, not just that we're to be dead to the world, but we're to be alive unto God. Now, I want you to understand this. When you get married, there's a sense in which you are holy to your spouse, to your wife or your husband. I know that's not what the world teaches us about marriage. Our uh, culture has adopted the theology of just doing me. That means, in fact, that I am set apart to myself, for myself, by myself, which is why you end up by yourself. But holy matrimony is the act of each being set apart to the other because the unity of the two is greater than the sum of its parts. We ought to be separated completely and totally unto God. We ought to be holy. Now to be holy means to be separate. It means to be different. But not odd. We have too many Christians who are odd. Religious psychos, weirdos. And they call themselves holy. People running around believing themselves to be pious, beating themselves, trying to crucify their own flesh, misunderstanding what God's word declares. It's not primarily a matter of dress, it's not the locale of a place. You know, some people think that a holy, that only a holy man is a holy man when they go to a monastery. Well, you can be holy in a monastery, but it's not the monastery that makes you holy. There's no holiness in a hole. It's not where you are, it's what you are. As you are separated unto the Lord by the Lord. Holiness is not just for pastors or priests, holiness is for the entirety of the body of Christ because you are what he is. We're talking about identity. This is why you actually struggle so much with holiness because your flesh will never be identified with holiness. You see, there's an idea that we can determine what is holy and then make whatever we want to be holy, holy. And I'm coming to my close. Again, I just want to inspire a conversation. I want to push you to think. The modern day indoctrination program is teaching that homosexuality and binary gender issues are just as much a part of someone's 
own ethnicity as it is, they can in no wise change their ethnicity so they cannot change their drive for that which is against God's design. I was born this way. I was born with this internal drive to be a woman even though I was born a man. I was born with this internal drive to love a man even though I was designed by God to love a woman. And I can't help myself. The world will have you to believe that this is a condition for which you cannot help. We act as if this is something that's new in the culture of humanity. But this has been with us always. So, we have whole churches that are filled with people who believe that that particular lifestyle is okay. From the pastor to the door. But I have to decide what is right according to the word of God. Amen. So I, 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 as the president says, um, I listen to the science. Well, I, I listen to the word. <laughs> now, science and, and psychology and uh, the medical fields that, that, that deal with these different types of uh, conditions will have you to believe that it is something that um, they cannot just who they are, and then if that is just who they are, then it has to be acceptable in the eyes of God, for why would God create them with this aversion, tell them that he loves them, but then push them into eternal damnation? So then the ideology that it is wrong must be wrong, because God made them that way. If I am this way, it's because God made me this way. I want you to, again, judge everything according to the word of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 states this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to focus in on the 11th verse. And such were some of you. So Paul's talking to the church in Corinth. And he's just put all their business in the street. He said, such were some of you. Some of you were all of these things. Some of these things. One of these things. The key word is were. Were is a word that is past tense. That means I am, present tense, no longer what I was, past tense. And such were some of you, but ye are, watch this, lost. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So then that tells me biblically, which I hold as infallible truth, that science is misguided. That tells me that if you are akin to this condition, in your flesh you can't change you change by the washing and regeneration of the blood by being sanctified by the blood now understand something having the desire and fulfilling the desire are two different things having the struggle and living the struggle out are two different things. 
Here's the problem. If this in the mind of man become okay, which in time past was not okay, again, the inconsistency of mankind, there was a time when coming out of the closet was not what you wanted to do. We celebrate it now, but there was a, a season when you kept quiet if, if you had this lifestyle, you kept it to yourself. No, you didn't want to do it because you were going to be an outcast. Amen. Society has shifted and begun to accept it, and there's reason for that. There's an agenda that's in place that I don't have time to get into today, but you kept it to yourself. Now, we're out front about it. We're excited about it. We promote it. We celebrate it. And then we justify it by saying, I have an inability to be anything else. The problem is, is where does it stop? That's just problem one. Where does it stop? If me loving a man is okay, then why isn't me loving a boy okay? Where does it stop? Secondly, it defies the design of God for sexual intimacy. Amen. The design for God for sexual intimacy was about the procreation of the human race. Which cannot be done man to man, woman to woman. It denied the truth. Because the greatest gift God has given us is free will. So if the greatest gift that God has given us is free will, outside of salvation, if, if, if that's the gift that God has given us, yet there are things for which we have no free will, then do we have free will? Free will is the ability to make a choice to do this or that. Amen. You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that. I dated myself. You'll get that later. The fact is, if there's an inability in me to not be something, then I, in essence, do not have free will. And if I don't have free will, the Bible is a lie. And if the Bible is a lie, then God is a liar. The system, the power behind the system is the lie. You may have an aversion. I'm going to tell you a, a little secret. Every human has an aversion to something that is anti-God. Why? Because your flesh is enmity against God and the thing of God. It's corruptible. It's fallen. It will never align itself to the things of God. So just because there is an existence in my members, something contrary to the word of God, don't buy into the theology that then that makes me who I am. Determine who you will be Amen. by the choices that you make. That's it. That's it. And no choice has more power than another. Else, you don't have a choice. We may not like our choices. We may not like our choices. But that doesn't rob us of the truth that we have a choice. There's an old ad, you can't make a horse drink water. You take it to the water, you can't make him drink it. Somebody said, well, you shove his head in it, they'll drink it. No, they don't have to drink it, they can drown. You have 
the ability to choose. You can drown in the choices that you make that are opposite the plan of God for your life. When you understand the word declares that the plan of God for your life is what? That you prosper and be in good health. Even as your soul prospers in God. The Old Testament tells us that he has plans for us. Plans to prosper us. But I don't like your prosperity plan. It's not fast enough. It doesn't satisfy my desires. I've learned a long time ago that the fulfilling of my desires doesn't always bring me the pleasure I thought it once was. So I learned to stop living for my desires and make my desires live for me. Is holiness still right in the modern day church? Do I have a duty to God as a professed believer of all that he is to live according to his word? Should I not examine myself and see where I am not in alignment with his truth and adjust myself while the season of grace is upon me. Because there's coming a day when the opportunity to change will be no more. I've learned that living for God means dying to self. It does not negate the existence of self. But as we have told some people we don't like, you're dead to me. We ought to tell our flesh, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. The things that you want, they're dead to me. They're dead things. And dead things cannot live. This desire is a dead desire because it is a desire that is not in alignment with the prosperity plan of God for my life. So if I to live in the prosperity that God has determined is right for me, I have to live according to his word of truth that I may enjoy the real abundance of life that is only found in him. I know I feel a certain way. I know society may have told me what I feel is okay. But the question I have to ask myself Am I going to bank my eternity on the inconsistency of humans or the consistency of God? Even when the modern day church has said it's okay for you to be Bible tells me it's not okay for you to be you. The Bible says be ye holy for I am holy. In other words, the Bible is saying don't be you. Be God. Be what God is. And then it said 
in all manner of beings. I encourage you people of God to think about these things so that you can stand before God for all of us will to sign that stack of documents that are every word you've ever, ever uttered with an assurity that I'm going to be with the Lord in eternity. Think. Is the consequence of eternal separation from God worth the satisfaction however temporary it is? The enjoyment that you get out of something here when you know life is but a vapor. It is gone as fast as it comes. From the moment of your birth starts the race to the grave. We do not know what time we have. The Spirit of God has really been impressing upon me to spend less time upset at people and just love them. Regardless of where they're at, of what they do, how they behave, what they may say, just love them. Especially if I'm in relationship with them. Because there's going to come a day when either they are standing over your grave or you're standing over theirs. And it will not matter all the good things you may want to say or wish you could have said. But you chose in those moments to respond not in the love or the holiness that is God in you, but in your flesh corruptible response to life. Being angry, frustrated, mad, not at peace. And for what? In most cases, your anger will not change somebody's behavior. But if there's anything I've learned about God is love compels people to change. God bless you.